In a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I'm John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We're here to bring you another week of movie discussion action here on the Top 10. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Good. Just, uh, you know, busy doing a number of things to join the NBA finals, um, preparing for you know some stuff that's coming up here. Just a, a lot of things that are going on, but also trying to kind of relax a little bit, too, man. I've been kind of overwhelmed by a lot of stuff that's happening and feeling like I'm uh, falling behind. You know, it's kind of frustrating. So um, anyway, but uh, overall doing OK. How are you? Uh, Good. Tired. Yeah. Um, yeah just been busy and whatnot we had a little discussion uh before we uh started it just oh yeah uh, yeah uh whatever um you know <laughs> nothing nothing that's germane to the show itself okay just outside stuff got to deal with this that and the other and right um, right so whatever uh spread a little thin and i i think it's showing at the the start of today's show uh um, oh fair enough i understand that Right. You, did you ever pull some tree tra- tree stumps, uh, anything like that, or were you, was it, is it? Oh no, I mean no, nothing. Okay, that I do have some projects like that going currently, right. but nothing, uh, nothing in regards to any home improvement or whatnot kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Kristen Smith is joining us again, Matt Nost. I'm looking at Kristen Smith joining us live with Dale Barley Jr. I'm shocked that Kristen Smith is taken. I like that she just said hello there with a print with a period. Not no excited exclamation point. Just a period. Hello there. Maybe it's an Obi-Wan reference. <laughs> oh, good call. Good call. Are you watching it, by the way? Are you watching? Are you uh, yeah. 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 Caught up. I, I haven't started it. the boys yet, but uh Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh yeah, it's good. It's rounding. I mean, there's what, two more episodes? Yeah. So kind of crazy to think it's already just two more episodes. Uh yeah, so I mean, uh, it, it's going well. Okay, I'm enjoying it better than Book of Boba Fett. That's for so, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like this last episode. There's a nice uh, bit of action. Some uh, got a little more in depth with some of the characters. Yeah, the suspicions we all had about the the woman that's vying for Grand Inquisitor were basically confirmed. Yes, true. Very um, good point. Which I thought that was pretty obvious from the pilot. Yeah. Uh, but some people were speculating online as to whether or not that was the case. And, uh, I just assumed I was like, I, I, why else would you start there? Yeah. I think because they made such a big deal of Rupert friend coming onto the show and doing all these interviews. So people were kind of su- surprised about what happened in that first episode. Like, yo, really? He does all this press for it and he's out, uh, right off the bat. That seems a little weird. So we don't, a lot of people speculate he might not fully be dead or he not might be, he might not be dead. Uh, but there, he might be coming back in some shape or form. Or she, if she is going to turn into the Grand Inquisitor, that's who we see down the road in Rebels. I don't know. So there's a lot of speculation 
Uh, well, not in Rebels. Sorry, it's what we see down the road. You know, so uh, it's a lot of speculation that's happening right now. So we shall see for sure. Um, Kristen saying definitely Obi Wan reference. That's the only new thing I've been watching lately. Too busy, are we all? Um, James Petty's in here as well, and Dale Varley, as I mentioned, and Charles Clark. Nice, good to see Charles hanging out with us. Go Mountaineers, Charles. Um, and Kristen Smith wanted to know if Lightyear. I went and saw it last night. If it's okay for kids um i think it is i mean there's a couple of sad moments that you'll have to navigate i guess and there are some him like killing some things but it's so quick and so fast i don't think it's going to affect your kid depending on the age of your top 10 baby uh um yeah i just don't think it's going to be that big of a deal so just letting you know yeah, I mean it's it's ultimately a Pixar film, so yeah, it'd be shocking if they made it that it wasn't geared yeah. towards children. So, but I mean, her kid's pretty young, so yeah, memory serves. He'd probably be in the three, four age range, right? So, uh, <laughs> although we be doing the show so long, could be in Texas. I mean, could be in college. Could be in college. Uh, I could be. <laughs> But I, I would guess four. Four mm. would be my guess. She can confirm that since she's watching live. Yes. Confirm. Uh, confirm. Uh, yeah. So uh, what else is going on? You watch anything else? Uh, let's see. Finished We Own the City. Ooh. Did you like that? Is it good? Yeah, it's good. As good as The Wire? Or... No. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, but it's also only six or seven episodes. Yeah, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you get in and you get out pretty quickly, and it's a true yeah. story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, I, I question why a couple people signed on unless they cut the roles down. Oh, interesting. Well, that's yeah, cool. there's one in particular that they don't use all that much. Okay. Okay. Um, and perhaps he just was like, I'd love to work with, you know, Chase and, uh, or pardon me, Simon and... Yeah. So any part, you know, there are no small parts type of situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was good. Um, caught up on Gaslit, waiting for the next of that. Okay, okay. Um, tried watching Candy, watched three episodes of that. I can't do it. Got to three? God love you, man. It's too God. fucking slow. Yeah. I, I Halfway through the first episode, I looked over at Lindley. I was like, I'm done. Are you done? And she's like, yeah, I've been hanging on with you. She's been, she was playing. But I know when she's done with this show, she starts to play her fucking New York times games on her phone. That's when I know she's done with the show. And so when I looked over during the second episode, halfway through the second episode, I was like, yeah, it's no use in watching this. Let's move on. It's like that thing about Pam, the same thing. I tried that Renee Zellweger show, man, that fucking irritated the piss out of me. I was like, this is dumb. Yeah. I don't understand why people are loving this show. It was stupid. So I just turned it off after two episodes uh, myself. Um, yeah. It kind of drags, you know, it, I don't know. They those first three episodes, they easily could have condensed it down to one and a half, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we sped this along. Yeah, um, maybe you know it, it ends really well. You still have to get to the cataclysmic event. Yeah, they yeah, keep yeah. kind of hinting. Oh, you see like a little flash of something or other. Right. But it's like, uh, yeah, I don't. You know. So I told Catherine if she wants to continue watching without me, by all means. I have no idea if she's. Uh, done that finish under the banner of heaven that's good dude that was great holy uh, shit man that 
finale was an hour and a half. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, that's how you do it. Yeah, you do the hour episodes, then you lead to an hour and a half finale. That's how it should be. Um, and I'm too, that was a great performance from him and the Gil Birmingham, the uh, Native American guy who was his uh, second in command there. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, trying to think what else is currently on the slate. Have you watched Hustle yet? The Sandler one that just dropped today? Did you get uh, No, I okay. am. Basketball movies are usually pretty rough. Yeah. And uh, I haven't heard an honest opinion of it so far. <laughs> Interesting. What does that mean? I mean? Because the reviews have been good. From, okay. Yeah, the reviews have been out there. Snyder's refusing to watch it till he watches it with his brother because he would be the other person I turned to to tell me if this was a good movie or not. But yeah. So you're not hearing anything good from anybody that you trust? I've heard from a couple of people that tangentially like worked. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. With it. And they're like, it's really good. And be like, I don't know if I can trust you <laughs> considering you had a hand in, you know, even a small hand in the process of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know. Basketball movies are always tough. Yeah, yeah. There's very few that are actually genuinely good. And there's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So, whether, but I mean, they, you know, they got real players involved and uh-huh, uh-huh. it could very well be a, a, an interesting story. I have not watched it yet though. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I've got it on my list. I think if nothing else is going on tonight, I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, Cause my girlfriend has, she's dog sitting her sister's dogs over here in the living room. So I might just be okay to kind of chill out in my room and watch. Cause I'm hearing good things. And I and I, I would love a nice good Adam Sandler film, which we don't we don't often get. So uh, I hope it's as good as some of my friends have been saying it is. You know, so plus it's basketball, like you said. But yeah, could be rough. Could be rough. Well, I mean, hopefully, Uncut Gems is a sign of when he decides to make something for adults as opposed to kids. He picks a really good project and puts you know pulls it off uh, nicely. Just yeah. the vast majority of what he's made over the past twenty years has not been for us. It's been for, you know, preteens and kids. It's kind of fascinating. Like if he had a different compass, I mean, he could, he could be looking at an Oscar at some point. Right. And may still, a lot of people thought he should have won for uncut gems. And I know I thought he should have been nominated for punch drunk love. So it's fascinating. Like when he turns drama, he actually delivers a really good performance but then he always defaults to these weird ass fucking Halloweeny movies or whatever. And it's like, can you get those out of your system once and for all? Let's, let's, you know, let's move on, you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point I would doubt there ever is a once and for all for those, just because he's been making for so long, apparently he does enjoy those types of productions and those, (laughs) those film projects. But I would assume he'll get offered other things that it would elevate him to Oscar contention because he's so beloved in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, you know, it, it's rare. I don't know that I ever heard a person say a, a cross word about him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, he still gets eyeballs. Totally. Totally. So there's a very good chance that somebody else is going to offer him an uncut gems type of role. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would not put it past. Yeah. Mr. Sandler. Yeah. Kristen Smith saying uh, her, cho- her daughter's almost four. So basically almost in college. Yeah, I agree. At this age, yeah. I mean, nowadays, yeah. Four-year-olds are, like, coding it nowadays. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, for God's sakes. 
Um, what else is going on, man? What else? Have you watched anything else? Have you seen anything else? Jurassic World? Did you get to anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shocking that it's not getting good reviews. I think the most disparaging thing is that people say it's dull. It really is. It is. That's the problem. I said it's not good. It's not bad. It's just okay. And 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 it is kind of dull. It, it, you know, there's a lot of stretches, and we're not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything but there are just long stretches we're like ah okay i guess we're just going along with this and it's an yeah. incredible lap a lapse in logic i mean you have a premise that dinosaurs exist in the world and the movie is dull that kind of tells me everything i need to know about the movie it sucks yeah. fair fair um but the last one was abysmal oh yeah the one before that was fine yeah it was okay uh, so it's not like, you know, there's been one excellent Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it is kind of a dealer's choice as to what you prefer. I know some people that love the second one. Uh, right. if I had to choose, I guess I'd take the third. Oh yeah. Although, Jurassic Park three. Yeah. With Bill Macy and, uh, Tia Leone. Yeah. yeah. Although Tia Leone, um, kind of drives me up a wall at certain times. In that movie. <laughs> but I've also never been the biggest fan of hers. Oh Yeah. So I'm not against her, but it's just like uh, deep impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like her on film. At boys. Uh, whereas uh, Madam Secretary, uh, Catherine used to watch that. I'd catch one with her every once again. It's not bad. Yeah, it's a good show. Okay, it's it's fine. It is what it is. It's a right, CBS right. procedural set in the government. That there are storylines that continue through the course of the season, but mostly it's problem. And Act One is resolved by Act Three. Yeah. Uh. It's fascinating, man, because, I mean, she's an unusual actress. Because I'm looking at her resume, and I can do it on one page of the computer from 1998 to 2019. In one one page. That's how little she has worked. Um, Yeah, Jurassic Park 3, The Family Man, Hollywood Ending, People I Know, House of D, Spanglish, the Espigan Adam Sandler, Mm -hmm. Fawn with Dick and Jane, You Kill Me, Ghost Town, which I like, the Ricky Gervais one. Smell of Success, Tyra House Heist, which is the Ben Stiller one. Then she does Madam Secretary, starting in 2014 all the way to 2019, and she hasn't done anything since. Um, and she has some voiceover work coming out, which isn't—I have no idea what this is. So curious. I think she's a good actress. I like her. Is she more amount? Is it more a matter of like? wanting to be with her kids so she only takes certain jobs sporadically to keep the insurance cool and make a little bit of money like what, what's the situation here i wonder or maybe nobody wants a cast her. i don't know yeah yeah i don't know i i would assume it's the former as opposed to the latter yeah, yeah, yeah. and she maybe she wasn't getting offers that she liked so she just decided not to take you know offers that she didn't want to do so therefore she didn't work as much right right uh not sure but i mean she's had a steady career yeah, she has two decades plus. So, yeah, nothing to sneeze at. Look, a five year run on a CBS procedural. That's a lot of money. If you're the lead, that's a lot of money. So, yeah, I'm sure she's fine in that. Yeah. For some reason, uh, I I can't remember why, but uh, I was on CSI's IMDb page mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and some of the principals in that had three hundred and thirty five episodes. Oh my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because there's a main cast of four or five people, just a few of them. Just 335 fucking episodes, man. 
dude, I just wouldn't work again. I would just invest, just sit around, enjoy my money, travel, learn things, write. I mean, I just would do so much besides getting on a set. But then again, you know, some people just love it. And maybe that's why they did 335 episodes because it's like for them, it's like air to breathe, man. I guess. I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah. I, you know, but it, maybe they got on and they really liked the people they worked with and uh, it was a fun set and yeah, yeah, a nice paycheck week to week. But 335, I mean, that is a lot of fucking television. That is a lot of fucking television. Um, uh, should we get into uh, uh, the finals real quick before we get into the thing? We're, we're almost halfway through. It's uh, close. One. Um, Matt. I think we both called the Celtics, didn't we? So no, you chose Celtics. I I like the Warriors. I still like the Warriors. Yeah. Um, How do you feel right now? Three games in. About the series, not about your prediction. Oh, I still, I still still think there's a lot of validity to it. I mean, Robert Williams doesn't look. He was hobbling all night and then took a fall. Although Steph rolled up uh horford rolled up on his ankle we'll see if that has any long-term effects because actually the last time they played the celtics marcus smart took uh steph out for quite a while oh, by rolling right. up on his ankle that's right um so we'll see but i still i still i mean it it it, it seems like we know what we're gonna get Jalen brown is gonna come out and be white hot for the first quarter and then yeah. after that who knows maybe he'll have a couple more buckets but he's gonna be white hot in the first quarter the Warriors are going to be lights out in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then whether or not the Celtics can answer the call in the fourth, apparently is going to dictate how these games go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least through three games right now, but outside in the Warriors, it was nice to see clay step up, but once again, the rest of the team kind of faltered. Yeah. And then uh, for the Celtics, Tatum started slow, ended up, you know, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they got nice production uh overall uh but we'll see i mean game four so if the the warriors take that i mean their job at this point is just to win one of these two yeah 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 yeah. so they tie it up and it goes back to the chase center and then uh whoever wins game five wins 82 percent of all seven game series in the nba wow so game five will be if it's tied two two if it's three one then yeah you know nails practically in the coffin at that point yeah yeah uh Ooh, but Charles. yeah, I mean, it was a good game until it was a blowout, but yeah. it was entertaining. Yeah. Charles uh, saying uh, the Warriors are plus 43 in third quarters in this series. Jesus Christ. The Celtics are plus 52 in the other quarters. Wow. Interesting balance. <sighs> Fascinating. All right. We'll see. I guess we'll see for sure. Um, I, I think the Celtics will win again and that it'll be 3 1 going back to, and I think they'll close it out there in game six. I just have a feeling. But you might be right. If the Warriors come back and win that game five, maybe you could be as well. Although Boston doesn't seem to like to win at home all that much in the code of these playoffs. So you're right. To watch them lose again at home would not be anomalous. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And Clay Thompson complaining about the Boston fans telling the F off. I mean, have you never been to Boston? What are you fucking talking about? It just seemed weird to me, the complaints. Uh, But coupled with a loss and then. Draymond's wife came out and said, I had my kids there and you're saying fuck Draymond and saying a bunch of other stuff. And my kids are there and be like, yeah, but it's kind of Boston. 
Yeah. And and your husband is a, a bit of a dick. I hate to yeah. Play. He you brings know? it on himself. So, you know, you can't like, you know, act like a dick and expect people to be it. a better person in a, in a sports situation all the time. And, Simon, and I would assume Draymond loved every second of it. Yeah, probably. Probably. So he feeds off that shit. Yeah. I don't know. I respect it. I know what you mean because the kids are there, but at the same time, you brought the kids into a hostile environment and yeah. the NBA finals in a city that doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So no, all they care about is winning. Yeah, it's to be expected. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to our list here, uh, Matt. Our topic. Uh, what are we? What are we? Ta- what are we counting down today? Uh, we are doing um, so for Lightyear. Got us thinking. What other origin stories would we like to see from Pixar? Yeah, and so uh, trying to choose things that we haven't seen. Okay. From Pixar, right? right. Um, it's some certain stories are that's an origin story, so I'm not sure where we go from there. And other ones, like I, I don't know that I want to spend any more time in that world personally. Is right, fine. Right. I'm in and out. I'm good to go. Uh, <laughs> but with a light year of like, oh, that's interesting. The possibilities now open up, and what else? You know, what else could we get from these different worlds? Yeah. yeah. So we're counting down our basically. What other possible Pixar origin stories we can come up with from the movies that we've already seen? Yeah, yeah. This is fun to come up with. I mean, I've tried to stick to not having more than one person from the same movie. Um, uh, But, you know, I'm not going to begrudge you if you do. That was just the the approach I had. Because, I mean, you could have done so many from some of these films. Yeah. Um, Yeah, easily. uh, Yep. There was one where... Um, I wrote down three on my side list and stopped there because I was like, I could keep going. Right, right, right. Because there's a bunch of different interesting characters that I would like to see how they got into the situation they're currently in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I doubled up on one movie. Okay. Um, but beyond that, I, I did the same thing. I was like, I could, I could do this for two movies specifically. But I just did it for one because I think there's more possibilities with it. Right. Right on. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, the way the show works is uh, Matt and I go off on our own after we come up with a topic or one of you boss hog people suggests a, cop- a topic there from our patrons. Um, we come up with our own lists. We show up here. We don't tell each other our lists. We count them down. Uh, 10 through 8. Uh, Matt goes first. Then I go 10 through 8. Then 7 through 6. Then my 7 and 6. Then we take a break. And then we start with our 5s. And we go uh, one apiece all the way to the end and then we put it all together at the end so uh matt what do you got at number 10 um at 10 i've got uh from onward oh good choice the uh manticore the griffin like oh good choice dude yeah oh, just fun. they speak of her and like her people in lore, these great warrior type things. Right. And right. She runs that themed restaurant kind of playing upon the stereotypes of what it was like, you know, a millennia ago. Right. And I would love to see that just these warrior class of individuals. Uh, Cause now they live in, you know, a suburban type of lifestyle. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's populated by areas called like the path of peril. Yeah. And Raven's Point and all these, you know, mystical type names. Yeah. Well, to take to find out where those names come from. Well, let's venture back with the Manticore and see where that legend grew from 
and it's like our Arthurian. Yeah. It's persisted through time now, and it's built up to the degree that everybody champions it as a symbol, and it's also it gives them peace and happiness, and something that she is trading upon uh, to this day. So why not? You could have like a little knights in armor type of tale in a Pixar world. And instead of setting it in a modern day, let's just take yeah. it back. You know? Yeah. That's a great choice. Uh, I like that character and oh, oh God, I forget who voiced it, but she was great as the voice of the character. And, and I was like, I well, this remember, but I'll look it up. Too. yeah, this could be fun to see what, uh, how they got dem- how she got domesticated, what she, went through what her uh, you know running wild with her people like what it was like in their kind of area and so it would be fun to explore something there about how they came together in their unusual culture as well it could be a lot of fun for sure um yeah and i like that movie too i almost chose um the other brother the go back in time. character yeah and ha- yeah the chris pratt character yeah have go back in time and have like you know like some adventure with his dad so we kind of get why he doesn't need to have that moment with his father by the end of the movie but the, his other brother does and so we get like this separate adventure and we get to know the dad a bit more i thought about that too but the manticore is a great choice man i like that it was voiced by octavia spencer ah, octavia spencer right cool yeah she's so good um all right what's your nine man uh my number nine is so on like on two of these, it's kind of a, a nebulous idea. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I chose soul. Oh, and the, the fact of the matter. So if you started at the great before where all the little baby souls are. Yes. And we go from there and go into a body and watch it grow up. Mm. And maybe there's like some sort of, uh, uh, pull back like a memory of what was before or when you're a child you still have memories of what was before and as they slowly begin to fade yeah. my my initial thought was send back the soul that uh, inspires Joe to get into music like maybe mm. his early piano teacher or something like that right. but the possibilities are endless yeah yeah I mean you could do any soul that you wanted to and then we just jump into a story there yeah. um, it just it it was it's kind of one of those of the two nebulous ideas of like I just kind of want to spend more time yeah in certain aspects of their worlds and I think there's a lot that could be uh developed and harvested from that I don't have I wish I had more of a specific character right uh for those it just I don't know I started running through all kinds of different ideas and was like well it's kind of <laughs> limitless on some level <laughs> you do the inverse instead of going to now you're leaving from there and then right. uh but i don't know if then it's the same if you still have that you know with a back and forth the soul still knows that it's it's trapped on the terrestrial plane oh yeah good point right um hmm. but i don't know i just i loved all that the great before and the great beyond right and the art direction of it the choices that they made the picasso-like renderings of what the the souls that that run or whatever those those beings of energy are that run the great before oh yeah 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 that are corralling all the different little baby souls and stuff right maybe we focus on them how do they get to to that area right or become the thing they are uh i don't know i just want to spend more time in that world and i couldn't come up with one idea that i liked better than the you know uh birdshot approach of firing 
wildly and there's a whole bunch of scatter shot that hits. Uh, yeah. So sad as that is to say, uh, I was uh, lazy on the in two of these in my choices. <laughs> and this is no, one I, of my two. It's an interesting choice because um, it could open a door into so many approaches to that um, storyline. You know, like, well, how would you go about making that work? Uh, and because you've already laid down the mythology of soul, how to, how would it work within the mythology of soul and still kind of uh, stick to the tenets, but expand it out a little bit more as well? Could be really interesting for sure. I like that idea, actually. I thought about uh, what's your face? R- Rachel House, the one that has all do all the counting, like oh, a, okay. an origin story for that character. And I was like, ah, but how much could that like how much could there really be? I don't know. Um, but I liked that character. So every every character I liked was in consideration, you know. And so, but in the end, I, I didn't uh, put it on there. Um, but yeah, I like the choice. All right. So what's your eight? Uh, my eight is uh, Crush the Turtle from Finding Nemo. <laughs> Great choice, man. I think it's our. It's like boom. It's already written. It's done. He's just yeah. floating around on the jet stream with his <laughs> with his family. Right. And they get to travel around the world, and because he's such a, they're all so likable. Yeah, they get yeah, along yeah. with whatever the story is. But I, I can't believe they haven't done this already. I realized Finding Dory was the logical successor, but like a straight to streaming DVD right. type option. I know they turn Crush into, or they use him as the focal point of a kids' ride. It, I think it's a Disney World. Yeah, um, which makes sense. Such a likable character, but mm. <laughs> given that his mode of transportation already jettisons him around the ocean current around the world. It's like, well, this is the possibilities. He ends up in Southeast Asia and then back over here onto the West coast. And from the West coast, like just keeps floating around. He goes down South America, Mm -hmm. comes back around, goes over to Africa around, you know, the tip of Africa. It doesn't matter. We can just do this all day. Right. And it's the most all inclusive of, of Pixar movies just because you've incorporated so many different cultures right uh into this and plus it was such a fun character all of them were him and the kids yeah 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 and through his dude like wisdom imparted a nice little life lesson that Marlon took with him yeah but it it could be that maybe he's just going through and helping these small little it almost turns sounds like Scooby Doo instead of mysteries he's just helping problem from you know, going from city to city type of thing. <laughs> he's he's banner and he just moves uh, yeah. on like at the, the end whole... of every episode. Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Except it won't be that sad. Yeah, right. Maybe somewhere in the middle it'd be sad, but then of course they always make you smile by the end when it comes to a Pixar film. Uh for sure. That's a nice choice. I like that choice. Um yeah, there's a lot to explore there for sure. What would be, but what would you want to bring any characters from the uh, from the film, from the source material, into this origin story at all, or would it just be completely on its own with new characters and stuff? Well, Finding Dory was almost entirely new characters. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and it was really successful. Like I thought about the octopus from Finding Dory, the Ed O'Neill character. Yeah, 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 because he's afraid of the sea. Um, yeah, but be- because they just populated with all brand new characters anyway, you could. Do you know the, some individual we've already seen, or you could just have all brand new characters, mm. so long as you've got Crush and his son, yeah. too, that the audience already knows. 
then okay then we have it's like a finding dory situation we have a couple characters that we know yeah and now we go off on another journey um so yeah maybe they're much like marlin and dory somebody they lost somebody else uh one day mm. that flew out of uh the the underwater current and yeah now they're in search of that individual although it kind of just turns it into the same movie all over again right 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 um so I don't know, uh, but I think just given the possibilities with the character, he's already moving so much. Yeah, that you can just you can plop him anywhere, and we buy it. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, okay, so that was your number eight, correct? All right, so then my number ten is uh, Colette from uh, Ratatouille. Okay, uh, the. Uh... <sighs> Oh God, I'm getting old, man. I'm forgetting names. Uh, what was her name? The actress who voiced Rover? Oh my God, this is why I'm not playing anymore. I forget. Oh. Janine Garofalo. The Garofalo. Mm-hmm. I really loved her French accent in doing this role, and I was really impressed with her as an actress. Um, yeah, because most of the times I see her, and she does good comedy stuff, and she hit the beats like in that Truth About Cats and Dogs movies. She, movie. She, you know, she's she's fine. But like this was something that I think is one of the best performances she's ever done. Kind of like Mandy Moore in Tangled. I'm not always the biggest fan of Mandy Moore as, a, as an actress, but her work in Tangled was great. And I thought what Garofalo did here with Colette was fantastic. And so it would be fascinating to see, like, from her point of view, like her up, like navigating the kitchens of France or Paris uh, specifically and how she got to where she got to to be in this position. Mm-hmm. So what was her dream? You know, and it couldn't. As you said, it could have a little bit of shades of the original story here with Ratatouille and the desire to cook and all of that. Um, what was her process? What was her journey as a woman through all of this? It would it could be really fascinating to explore that, and you'd have new characters as well. Maybe Gusto is alive when she's like you know starting out, and so what were her interactions? You could bring Brad bring back a, a Brad uh, Brad Garrett, have him do the voice again. It could be interesting. So for me, that's kind of, I like that character so much. I wanted to see more from her mm-hmm. um, because she does start out as against him and then eventually is turned towards Linguini. And so it could be fun to see what her basis in the beginning, what her foundational basis is as she navigated everything. And that's what gave her the uh, idea to make the turn and believe in Linguini, so to speak. So just throwing okay. it out. Yeah. I like yeah, that. For Ratatouille, I was just trying to find an animal character. Because I figured that's who Pixar would fixate upon. Oh yeah, it's a good point. Probably. So I was like, true. I all the other rats to me. I don't know why they would do it because the story wouldn't be interesting because they're just rats. Right. right. So I immediately moved on. But that's a great choice. Uh, yeah, I didn't thanks. even think about the humans uh, in the the movie. I was just like, ah, they they won't do another rat story. <laughs> so Ratatouille is kind of done. That's enough rat stories. But just the other ones are like they're rats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hunting through trash. They're eating rotten food. They're, you know, they're rats. <laughs> what do you Whereas want? Ratatouille was the difference. <laughs> they're fucking rats. What do you want from me? Um, all right. So then my number nine is Lotso. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, he's such an evil character in, was it three? That it's in Toy yes. Story 3? Um, and he clearly is a damaged guy from the experiences in the past. And I think it's so important to kind of explore. It would be fun to explore that and get us to understand a little bit about why Lotso makes the turn that he does mm-hmm. in 
Toy Story 3. You know, obviously we know he was thrown out, but there clearly must have been other things that went on. So it could be, you know, interesting to see that and see like this is what happens sometimes when certain situations. So you get to see Lotso in a different light and then maybe have a different point of view or perspective on why he does the things that he does. You know what I'm saying? So it could be fascinating. Or you could use him to launch. You can make him like Black Adam, right? A bit of an anti-hero. Uh, you know, you don't 100% maybe like the guy, but you understand why he's doing the things that he's doing. So it could be uh, fascinating for sure. And uh, it, and obviously you have to find a way to make it so you kind of have a different perspective about Toy Story 3, but not so much that you cheer against Woody or Buzz. I think that would be the difficult line or tightrope you'd have to walk to try to go and back and see Lotso at the beginning, you know? Yeah, that's I did that for quite a few and be like, God, that'd be really great for the character. And then, mm-hmm. but they have to devolve into a villain. Yeah. And yeah. then we end the movie and they're a bad guy. <laughs> and I'm well, like, not, well, yet. not yet. We, they'd be a bad guy. Yeah, maybe it ends before on. they go full villain. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I did that with, I've got one character on mine that just like, I'm going to end it before he goes full villain. <laughs> but there are a number of characters be like, I'd love to see this. Yeah, I just don't know how Pixar makes a movie that ends the way the only way I really see this potentially ending. Yeah. Um. But that being said, <laughs> I think the backstory on Lotso, there's a lot of them within Toy Story. I just steered clear because we're already getting the light year. Yeah, that's true. So I was like, okay, oh, you know what? That one's done. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away from that and challenge myself to come up with using their other properties. I could see that. Uh, but if it's really successful, then the first thing they're going to do is find other Toy Story, story characters. Yeah, you're right. To about do that. this with. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we get a Woody backstory or something. The oh, TV yeah. show that it was based upon. I can't imagine that's fucking the plausible idea, but who knows? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, it would have to work in a certain way for sure. Um, okay. So that was my number nine. Uh, so then my number eight is uh, Edna Mode. Okay. Yeah. I mean, kind of a little bit like Colette in a different way. Like with Colette, it's more about, you know, navigating the the, the kitchens of Paris um, or France, depending on where she's starting out. But with Edna Mode, I think I, I had this idea that she could be this person who really wasn't fashionable and didn't know a lot about fashion or whatever. It could almost be like a Devil Wears Prada situation where she's figuring out she's like this mousy thin that gets kind of bullied a lot and she's you know obviously diminutive so it kind of adds even more power to people bullying her um so you're immediately on her side and she's figuring out her voice like how you know what to say how to speak about it blah, blah, blah. it's almost like the theranos thing where she kind of maybe as she figures out how to be edna mode fully she changes and alters her voice from the person we got to know to the person she is in this character. And um, that kind of leaves us with this powerful inspirational story uh, of a woman who kind of navigated this stuff, overcame her insecurities and her fears and people's bullying and found her voice literally and figuratively uh, in the world of fashion. And as a, as a character in the world of fashion with the heroes, you know, going from a nobody who's bullied to someone who is the, um premier person that superheroes turn to to make their clothes i think would be awesome just to see that whole journey with her would be a lot of fun yeah the incredibles was one of the two movies where yeah. i was like you can you can 
pull numerous characters from this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was the one that was like, I'm only going to take one from this one. <laughs> Whereas fair. another one I took uh, two from. But uh, yeah, it's a great show. I mean, the it's an easy arc too yeah. for her because it starts off as she's just a fashion designer and whatnot and the early forays into making superhero costumes and how she gets yeah. pulled into that world. Yeah. So she lives the duality of, well, on paper, I am this, but what really gets me excited is this stuff that I can't talk about. Right, right. Uh, and that's why, you know, ultimately she builds to the individual that she is. Yeah. But yeah, that that transition, that's a, that's a great movie because then you can populate it with a million different superheroes. Yes, yes. Yeah, maybe she kind of goes with a group the first time and like designs on the fly. Oh, your costume ran into this. Right. I can make alterations and then we watch the action as they go out. Maybe yeah. she figures out, Oh, if I change this, it'll actually accentuate and make it better for you. Right. And just the synergy of the teamwork. You could even give her a tragic love story where like a supervillain or, or superhero, like she has, she starts a relationship with a superhero, but he turns into supervillain because he changes and like that kind of you could add a little like a little bit of tragedy to her story in that way. Uh, so because we never see Edna with anybody. And so um, the way she takes to Jack Jack uh, in the second film could speak to the fact that like, you know, she had always wanted to be married and have kids. But unfortunately, it didn't work out for her that way because her career kind of consumed her. So her resistance to Jack Jack is understandable because it was opening the doors to that again, that she had very cleverly and very powerfully shut off so that she could be successful. So it could be something like that, you know, it could be mm -hmm. a lot of interesting to explore. She's such a phenomenal character, you know, and I think it, it's always a crime that we don't have more, you know, the, the fucking penguins in, in Madagascar got a whole fucking series for years. We should have gotten some for Edna mode through Pixar and Disney. So, um, anyway, all right. So that's my number eight. What's your seven? Uh, my seven is the other nebulous one. Okay. Which is basically, I just want to spend more time in the land of the dead and Coco. Oh yeah. Okay. So perhaps we do it when Hector kind of wakes up in the land of the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just him exploring, figuring out his place in this world. And then ultimately, mm. you know, his interactions with the Elvis type character, whatnot, right. as they battle back and forth, knowing full well that he's the one to put him there. Or right. perhaps it's it's him for that, there for so long and then realizes, oh, shit, Elvis has finally passed. Right. I can't remember that character's name, but he's the equivalent to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the Benjamin Bratt character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the of the mariachi world, I guess. Is he yeah. mariachi artist? I, I don't know. Yes, I think so. Uh, but in Ernesto, reality... Ernesto de la Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to spend more time in that world. It's so beautifully rendered mm -hmm. that it was utterly captivated, even though I, I think the story throughout was just okay. Yeah. I think the ending is dynamite. Yes. Uh, that song and then the grandma sparking back to life and then singing along after music has been outlawed basically right. in the house type of thing. It's gorgeous. It almost makes you forget that previous 90 minutes have just been, yeah, it's all right. Visually stunning to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to get back to that world and I don't know, do we follow someone else? This is another, like, just like soul. It's like, mm -hmm. how, how do we get back there? I wish I had a better Hector was my easiest portal in, but then yeah. ultimately it seems kind of sad for an ending unless we don't do the full 
Like maybe he gets there and he helps somebody else out in the land of the dead. Yeah. Or, or like you said, he wakes up and he doesn't want to accept it because the way he was killed was nefarious. So he wasn't True. ready to die. It was a surprise. So now we go along this journey with Hector as he figures out how to come to terms with the fact that he's died, how to let go of his desires for revenge in the afterworld because it'll just ruin him and learns to accept the situation. And then, boom, we get the first maybe indication that he can connect uh, with uh, with uh, Miguel. So that could be interesting to explore as well, seeing him and his journey and the new characters that would be in that film as he comes to terms with the fact that he is now in the land of the dead, you know? Yeah. Um, Could be fun. I didn't think about it that way. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I just, I wish, I wish I had a better explanation of what the story would be. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I mean, it still works because Pixar is always about teaching you life lessons. So this idea of something that happens, it's a surprise. How do you come to terms with it? How do you accept it? You know, what are the stages? So it could be a life lesson for anybody, really. You know, depending if you can grasp the emotions of the story, um, it could be an interesting life lesson. And I agree with you, by the way. I, I know I'm Latino. I'm supposed to fall all over myself for Coco. And look, you're right. The ending is great. But the story itself, it doesn't make me come back and watch it over and over again. I know... No. I know my brother Hector uh, Navarro loves it, and I totally respect it. I think Danny loves it as well. And so I, I totally understand and respect that. For me, Encanto works better for me personally from okay. beginning to end. Coco, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two, as the, but like they're the only two kind of Latino-based animated ones we've had recently from Disney slash Pixar. So for me, though, I find more connection to the story in Encanto than I do with Coco. Uh, but that ending, as you said, Matt, is just great when the grandmother joins in. Oh, my God. Devastating. Yeah, it's stellar. It's much like Up. I think the yeah, beginning right. of Up is magnificent. And then after right, that, right. whatever. <laughs> I know other people love it. Great. I do. Yes, I, know, I can't yeah. agree with you, but yeah. The vast majority do. That's that's totally fine. <laughs> but it still gets you. It doesn't detract from yeah. the emotional punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, they're still good at that. But anyway, so that was my seven. All right, what's your six? Uh, my six is so Wally Ooh. wasn't the only trash compacting robot. You're right. There were a number of robots, yes. There had to be. Yeah. This entire wasteland has been cubed up, and there's these massive trash cities that have just been beautifully done. There's no way Wally's done all this himself. Right. So what about as that we start where humans have just left and now we have an entire world of Wallies and just the hierarchy there is there like a structure in place or they all just autonomous and they all do their own little things and mm. then he is the one that is different from all the others because he's still trying to find the spark of joy like with the the cockroach or finding the one plant whatnot. Right. He's the only one that's enamored with those types of things and everybody else is just there to compact and do their job. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's just him trying to, I don't know, make sense of the world when no one else sees it the way that he does. And then yeah. realizing that he needs to follow his own compass as opposed to just doing what everybody else is doing. He's still doing his work, right, but right. finding the joy in the world around him uh, in this wasteland. Yeah. But 
I don't know, just the idea that at one point there were millions of these things and now he's the only one. Yeah. Well, what did the world look like when there were millions of these things? Right. Right. Or is he so lonesome because the time before there were a bunch of people, he had a huge like friend or family group that right. were very much like him and he's lost them over time. Yeah. And now he's left with this solitary existence. Uh, so that's why he gravitates towards the cockroach <laughs> and everything else. I don't know. I don't know, but there's a, there's a heart wrenching story in there somewhere. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I like that actually. It's kind of, and, and you see from different, cultures different countries you know what their compactors would be like uh so that could be fun um are you changing it up by region yeah you could like have a different region because i mean it's futuristic right so it could be any number of reasons for having that because more people come maybe they're compactors you could even have it play a little bit like an immigration story where you've got these different compactors that have come over been brought over by the company and have to work together with with uh wally to kind of do the things that they're doing and what and then eventually of course as you said it all leads to the fact that they probably all perish in some way and he's the last one left you know um he's like the forrest gump of it all that, yeah all i hadn't thought things. about it like they're you know because we only see it and there's that one big ship yeah right so I just kind of defaulted to, well, there was like one world government or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there'd only be one type of trash compactor. But in reality, if we haven't gone to like a Star Trek mold where we have one world government, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's numerous, and everybody had their own escape ships and all that shit. Yeah, yeah you could. You could have different compactors, different styles. Right. Uh, like the interactions. Yeah. yeah. The way they deal with the trash and whatnot is uh, separate from one another. Yeah, could be interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, so then my number seven is uh, Chick Hicks, the Michael Keaton character in the Cars. Oh, okay. Go yeah, I like that character a lot. Um, and of course, I like Michael Keaton a lot. And it was between this character and Ken, I was kind of going back and forth between the two, uh, because Keaton does the both the voice of both of them. Uh, and I, but in the end, I thought I chose Chick Hicks because it's such an interesting character and villain, uh, who is desperate to win. So, what would Chick Hicks have been like coming into the circuit? You know, we get a, mm -hmm. only a little bit of a taste of the NASCAR in these cars films, uh, and of course, we had that Grand Prix thing in the second one. But I think it could be very interesting to explore what Chick Hicks's journey was like to become a uh a race car at that time you know and it could be fun to kind of explore that and see his kind of journey to get here what he had to come what he had to go through and overcome uh you know was there someone he loved was the did he go against what his parents wanted him to do so there's a lot you could play with here that in the end kind of is why he's such a hardened guy who has a desire to win you know, um, which and I know he ends up being the villain, but you could still play it so that he's you understand him just a little bit more. It, it's still you don't you don't have to like his actions in the toys in the uh, sorry, in the cars movies, but you could understand why he is the way he is and uh, what drives him. You know, I mean, and I was watching I was watching Draymond Green last night. This will make the connection. I, and I posted this. I tweeted about it earlier this morning. I saw the video of him like, was it Robert? Was it one of the guys who was yanking Derek? I forget which guy it was. He was yanking 
off the line after the foul shot because he couldn't get around him. So he literally like wrapped his arms around the dude's neck and started shoving him down. And I'm like, that's desperation, right? And you can still make it work that this Draymond is probably a, a pretty decent dude out off the court. And people mm-hmm. seem to speak positively about him. But when he's on that court, it's that desperation to win that overcomes him, right? And you could make that kind of thing with Chick Hicks where it's more a matter of a, a little bit of a tragedy that he his desire for winning uh, eventually uh, um, overcomes everything else, you know, or takes precedence over everything else. Sure. So it could be interesting. Plus, it's a Southern story, so you could have fun with that as well, you know. Or it could I, be an East Coast boy who comes down and, like, changes to be a kind of a Southern driver. I don't know. Uh, I didn't remember that he did a voice in Cars. <laughs> so I saw Cars once. And I saw Car 2, Cars 2 once. <laughs> and I'm I'm good. Kristen said, there's only so much Cars-related content I can handle. <laughs> I may be speaking as a parent, but I don't want any more Cars content. <laughs> Fair enough. But- Fair enough. <laughs> This, I mean, this seems more the more likely product to be next if they do an origin story like this from Lightyear yeah. is finding a Cars one because that's been very successful for them. They really has. It yeah. really has. Yeah. Um, it's kind of mind blowing to be honest with you. That that was the breakaway or the breakout. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So then my number six is uh charles Muntz from up the uh that is a punt oh nice okay all right uh well I, f- I feel we've reached the uh the break point here matt uh we have we're gonna take a quick break here this word from our sponsors and we'll be right back in just a moment with our top fives all right there we have it there was our quick break <laughs> thanks to uh, us. so at five yeah i have two possibilities but the one, uh, well, I'm just saying it's two from the same movie. Okay, okay, fair enough. So from Monsters, Ooh. I realize we have Monsters University. Yes. But what about Roz that runs the <laughs> intelligence agency? I was thinking either that oh. or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is it Water Noose? What is the noose? The, the spider creature that runs the Scream Factory? Oh. Uh because yeah, at what point dude. did they figure out screaming was an energy source? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking so about the did, old yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. I think it was Water Noose. Yeah, you're probably right. Something Noose. Um, but I was thinking Roz, but like, oh, okay, so then it's this covert government agency, and then like those yellow guys, and they just parachute into situations. She has to find corruption somewhere else within the monsters universe. Right, right. It doesn't right. necessarily have to deal with the scream side of it. Just find something else that kids could be able to identify pretty easily with. Yeah. And this seems like basically they could have their version of the penguins from Madagascar getting a television show and everything else. Could be like Roz. We just, she keeps running into situation after situation, <laughs> uh, whatnot. Yeah. But I was also intrigued by what was their, when did they figure out that screams? were such a potent power source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Good did that point. take them from like pre-industrial revolu- uh, revolution to they harnessed the energy of that and right. that's what spurred their civilization uh, forward? Does it does it go all the way back to like caveman times? Wow. Uh, and they were just 
sneaking into caves like some <laughs> hole in the side, and they just boom, they come in, and it's not quite an so opening, good. so a person could get through, but a monster <laughs> could. I don't know. There's a lot of like, where does this civilization begin exactly? Yeah. So if you just want an easy answer, it's Roz. The more interesting to me is the how how did this get started? Where does this come from? Right. What was it like before you know you had all the machinery to do this? You'd have a hell of a job trying to make a CEO of a company in 2022 a protagonist. I think it'd be a hell of a mountain. I know. That's the other thing. Well, he ends up being the villain. So to go back with him, plus he's a big spider-like creature. Yeah, right. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not. That one's that one's tough. I like the Roz situation, though. Like, yeah, I think that's like, the easiest character. She's like Agent Carter in the past and some yep. shit, you know. Precisely. It's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's like the Agents of Roar or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and they're just now out stopping crimes in the Monsters <laughs> universe over and over and over again. Yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> I, I think it's an easy sell, something kids would watch, and they could they could find a million different storylines. Uh, she was to hot do. once upon a time as well. The young yeah. Roz was a was a hottie. I could see that. Um. Uh, okay. So then, my number five, uh, which seems pretty obvious to me, is uh, Jesse from Toy Story. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I mean, we don't. I love Joan Allen. She's so good. Um, I mean, Joan Cusack. Oh, sorry, Joan Cusack. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I said, dude, it's over for me. Man. Uh, yeah, Joan Cusack. She's so good in this role, voicing over this role, and the uh, the desperation and the pain and the hurt in Toy Story Two when she's you know afraid that they're about to put them back into the packaging because of Stinky Pete and his manipulation of the situation. Uh, essentially, kind of a pseudo cult leader there, Stinky Pete. Um, but I would love to go back and see the origins of Jesse and who was the first, you know, the girl that becomes her, her, her person, you know, what was that uh, uh, story like? And I know she leaves her blah, 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 but maybe there's a, we get a whole new perspective on what actually happened and why uh, Jesse was left, you know, so we don't necessarily go all the way up to the end or maybe we do, but we go to the place where, oh, I don't know. Cause stinky Pete finding her is kind of not a good thing. So, Maybe you end before anything negative happens. You know what I'm saying? But you kind of have this exploration and understanding of Jesse um, as, a, as a toy. Um, I think that could be a lot of fun. And you have, and especially nowadays when they're doing more female based, female led content, it could be fun to see Jesse's story with her connection with the, uh, the Coner and the, the way they work together. You know what I'm saying? And you could mm-hmm. make it a trilogy actually. So that it ends with her kind of being put in the box for whatever reason. Um, but it's not as nefarious as Jesse was led to believe or wanted to believe, you know. So uh, it could be fun. Uh, just throwing it out there. And she's still around, Joan Cusack. So. She is? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, th- I think it's an idea that Pixar would probably gravitate towards. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Although if they're going to do that type of character, they already have Woody. So why would they do wood like a cow boy girl type of situation? Yeah. Well, we could go back to that. The prequel, like we because in Toy Story 2, they talk about how he was part of the show. Mm-hmm. So we could actually go about like doing the prequel where they all come together to do the show. How did it all happen? How do they put it? What were the rehearsals? Like it, it could be a lot of fun figuring out how they came together to do that show. I think that could be cool, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. So in a way, with Jesse, you could still make it work. Um, 
Oh, Kristen Smith said there's a sh- Toy Story short film uh, where they have where they show her PTSD about getting stuck in small spaces and having her overcome it. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I've never seen that. that wow. could, I didn't, didn't know it existed. Did. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Um. All right. What's your f- uh, four? Uh, my four is uh, Inside Out. Ooh. And then we do uh, the parents, like as oh, they're yeah. getting together. So their internal monologues of falling in love, <laughs> that which is something. Yeah, we haven't seen segued into them becoming parents. Right, right, right. So it bleeds right into the the you know we already know the character from that. Yeah. But the I like just the idea of all those different emotions, how they deal with a falling in love, right, and the ups and downs of that, then to the being so petrified of of childbirth like i want to first off please be born healthy and and everything like that but then am i going to be a good parent like what do i do how do i do this and just being so frightened at all times even though you know oh i can get through this because we've been doing this as a species for so long there's no way i'm not it's not ingrained in me but you're still terrified like you want to make all the right decisions so you could do that all as one movie or you could just pick one or the other yeah. And I think either works, uh, but it just, uh, we already have the parents. I mean, you could choose any person and just get in. Now we just live with the emotions again, but right. if you want to tie into some that we already know that exist, well, the parents just seem like a natural segue. Yeah. Or, we've or, seen or, their people yeah. right in inside out. We've seen their inside their brains, people. So seeing younger versions of those people as they're kind of coming together and, and, and becoming parents and all of that, that could be really fun. And yeah, you could even do the, you be open the movie with them as adults. Yeah. yeah. So you see the emotions that have mellowed that where they're at now. And yeah. they're like, God, do you remember when this, and then they just go back and it's a portal too. And now we have the juxtaposition of where they ended up as right. emotional uh, as emotions and where they began. Uh, when they first met one another or whatever the case is. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I think that's, that's an easy one to me, whether or not it appeals to kids. I have no idea. Cause a kid is not going to be a protagonist in this. Right, right. But I don't think they really gave a shit about most of them. They were along for the ride. They got identified with the girl because she was going through some turmoil. Yeah. Riley. Yeah. 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 But I think, you know, given the fantastical nature of the world, they would still go back for that. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a child's mind. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, so my number four is a little bit of a cheat. I'll just say this right off the bat: it is a Monsters Incorporated one, but it's telling the origin story of of Boo as a as now a mom, uh, and she has a daughter. So we're going. We're telling the daughter's origin story. So Boo's daughter's origin story, um, and how the whole thing, like with and checking in with Mike and Sully. So she, her finding her kind of uh, scare person or whatever it is, uh, and seeing what her journey was like, and then Boo like checking in with Mike and Sully, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of this whole adventure that they're on. Maybe she takes off the little girl, and so they're all working together to try to find her or figure out where she's at um, uh, because uh, she gets hooked up with one of these uh, scare persons and whatever. So it could be an interesting approach to that. Um, and then you're having an older boo. So what would be 
Would it be like Hook, where she doesn't remember, she's kind of put it all away, uh, and her daughter getting one of these uh, scare, I forget what they're called, um, people kind of reawakens yeah. this. Do you know what I'm saying? And maybe she's like sad about her life. And so we're seeing the origin story of the young kid kind of uh, helping her embrace her joy again. As I said, kind of like Hook, you know. I don't it's a great movie. <laughs> I'm saying like that oh, is oh. that is a great movie, but I think the word you're looking for is sequel. That yeah, is a sequel, no, I, I, not an origin okay. story. Bit of a cheat. I know it's a bit of a cheat. But uh, we, but, you know, I don't know. We couldn't we have an origin story of Boo? But that, like that continues. Is that not? That's an not an origin. An origin story of Boo would be her conception. <laughs> that would be an origin story of Boo. If you want to fast forward thirty years, Ooh. that's not an origin story. That is right, a fair enough. Post-mortem I story. I know it was I was I was messing around a little. Look, I think that's an awesome idea. Like her trying to reconnect <laughs> yeah. to the, the magic of her youth. Yeah. And through her child's eyes, which a lot of parents do. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that is a, a an amazing <laughs> sequel. Oh well. All right. Well let me then let me replace it. I'll replace it. Let you me should see. drive to Burbank right now and pitch that. <laughs> if only. Go to the animation studios that are right there. <laughs> Realize you guys do most of these in-house, but here's an idea for you. All right. Well, let me throw uh, another one out here. Um, that's for dude. If you want to keep it, it's fine. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll switch something out, but let, let's, let's, let's keep going here. What's your three? What's your three? Uh, my three is the Charles Muntz from up. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Man. This is higher up on your list. Well, it you see that newsreel in the beginning. Uh, yeah. So basically, he's Indiana Jones. Right, right, right. right. So I, let's go see. Let's go watch Indiana Jones be Indiana Jones. Because mm-hmm. he was a good, it seemingly, he was a good guy until the world called him a fraud. Right. And now he was determined to go do that. But, you know, when we meet the character, he already has that Zeppelin type aircraft and all that mm-hmm. which leads you to believe that he's been doing this for a while yeah yeah yeah. so well let's see what other adventures that we've gotten up to with months yeah and it ends with him landing on that lost world you know for the first time and he sees this craziness and he finds that skeleton and whatnot yeah maybe he hears the bird-like creature sees it off in passing and whatnot, but make sure to collect the bones and yeah. take that back to civilization as some sort of moment of triumph. And then we start the next movie with, and actually, no, it turns out that, you know, he faked all of it when we know, in fact, he did uh, not, but it drives him into the madness that the character has in that movie. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We get a little more with him. We get to understand how he works. We get to see the adventures, some of the adventures he's been on. And all of that, and then this challenge that he has to kind of confront now that people are accusing him. And it could also be, Matt, it could be an interesting way to kind of do a Pixar version of cancel culture. Like, it could be an f- interesting exploration if you could walk that line smartly, you know, and, and of course, I don't believe there's cancel culture, but the idea of consequences, culture, cancel, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. it could be a way to show that, you know, like, what was it like? when they accused him of this and it wasn't necessarily true and how he was able to kind of, and what it did to him, you know what I'm saying? So it could be interesting. It could be interesting. It's a darker film for Pixar for sure. Um, but I could see it happening for sure. 
So I like that character. There's a lot to that character. He's yes. got more depth than uh, your average villain. So yeah, we can explore here. We don't have to go into when he's full nefarious. We can just see like little right. twinges of it so it doesn't get too dark for kids. Yeah. yeah. Well, most people, if, as they get, you know, the ones that get evil when they get older, it's, it's from a, a series of situations. You know, they weren't always necessarily evil. So it's good to kind of explore how that can happen. As a bit of a, a lesson, I guess, maybe. Um, okay. Anything more on that? No, I think I'm good on that. Okay. Then my number three is uh, all the tank fish from Nemo, how they all came together to be in that tank, like a almost like a Magnificent Seven type thing, um, where they're all kind of doing some kind of mission, um, but in the end... Uh, they do complete the mission, but in completing the mission, they have they get uh, put in the tank there at the end. So we're seeing the background of all these characters and how they came together and learned their skills and whatever, and they go on this mission, uh, which is why they're able to work so well to help Nemo when they're in the tank mm-hmm. uh, later on in, in Finding Nemo. So it could be a fun way to kind of retcon a little bit of their backstories and... Uh, Explain how they were able to work together so well um, when stuff happens for Nemo to get him out of the the tank there. So just I like that idea of them all coming together. You know, yeah, that's I wrote down Gill and then stopped at the uh, other tank mates because mm. you can't focus on all of them, right? But what you're talking about is that a, a you know magnificent seven type of the gang getting together. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I think that's the perfect way to introduce uh, an origin story of numerous characters yeah. and still keep it fun and inventive. Um, yeah, because you, you like first act is them out in the wild and they got put into this tank and then as they're, I guess, adjusting to this world. It seems kind of limited. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, if anybody could figure that out, it's Pixar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll again, find out for real where the scar came from on Gil. Yeah, you know how, how did that happen for real? Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they come together in some weird way, and the mission, you know, Gil gets them to, together, and they go on this mission, and although they save the person in the end, they or the whatever it is creature or whatever it is, um, they end up in a position where they get caught and put in the tank. But at least they're together, you know. I don't. Yeah, I like that. That's a, I think that's a good movie. Cool. Uh, all right, what's your number two, man? Uh, my two is another Finding Nemo. Um, the sharks. How in the world do you get to not eating fish? <laughs> Bruce. Bruce and the other two sharks. <laughs> so it's the the movie is like a uh, what was that Will Smith shark movie? Oh, Shark Tale. A Shark Tale. Shark Tale, which was terrible. Yeah, it was not good. But he was trying to break the mold of what a shark is supposed to be. Well, yeah. we do a much better version of this where you're actually breaking the mold of what a shark is supposed to be. Right. And you have this. So they're all from different shark cultures because there's a hammerhead. There looks like some sort of reef shark. And yeah. They have the great white. So they all are independent. They exist in worlds where we are the predators and we're out to, to, to eat. And what happened to each of them that made them question that decision and mm. 
perhaps it's a moral question or just a, a health question. I, I don't know, but yeah. to see them kind of go against type and turn sharks into good guys and something that kids could kind of empathize with well, totally. uh, and grow to love. Plus if anybody's going to, you know, do the, Hey, sharks aren't bad and we shouldn't be killing sharks because they're good for their ecosystems. Right. Two kids. Well, it seems like Pixar would be, would be right up their alley to try and teach kids a lesson of, you don't need to be fearful. Just be respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that in the short burst that they were on uh, camera, that they were a lot of fun, but I think your tank idea is probably a more fully formed movie. Mm. Well, we could explore, as you said, though, with Bruce, like we could just focus on Bruce. Just even call it Bruce. Uh, and mm. we explore w- what his life was like, as you said, the shark tail thing. Um, and what is the instigating action or incident that leads him to swear off fish what is it that he discovers you know uh, um and then brings people to his side i think all of that works so well and you could totally decorate it with characters because you know you could have his friends who are like what the hell is this all about you know why are you doing this so in a way he'd be different even though he was trying to fit in eventually he realized fitting in is led me to a path that i wasn't happy and so there's a lesson there for kids to learn as well and, and adults that could work in the vein of Pixar with Bruce. So I, I like that idea too. Bruce. Could work, but I do think your tank idea now having heard it is a more fully <laughs> formed idea. I think it's, a, it's got, it's got better sea legs. Maybe Bruce will be part of that as well. Uh, what you have uh, Anyway. Um, all right. So the, my number two is bing bong. Now. Oh, Okay. Now, now, uh, it, you know, I, I went to my two friends on the Nerd Pals, the Nerd Dudes, uh, because they're both they write animation and they're both and you know Michael's a big Pixar fan, so I said to him, I pitched the idea of Bing Bong. He was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. We know the beginning of Bing Bong. It's for the thing that she's uh, you know because she needs um, Riley needs a, a, a imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And I said, but what if there's a what if it's like Monsters Inc. where there's an imaginary friend society. And so what is the origin of Bing Bong becoming a part of the imaginary friend society? Maybe Bing Bong had always wanted to be part of the imaginary friend society, but couldn't get in because he's so weird, so unusual. What is it about him? What, what, what was his journey in trying to get into the imaginary friend society um, so that he could be a part of it? So it's, it's got shades of Monsters, Inc. or Monsters mm-hmm. University, really. Um, but I think it could be fun. Uh, cause you know, people talk about imaginary, that's a real thing that happens in people's real lives. And so you could really interview a bunch of people probably within the Pixar campus alone that yeah. could give you great ideas for the look of all the imaginary friends. And of course you'd have to come up with a, an antagonist and you have to come up with people who are in charge of the imaginary friend society who probably don't want bing bong in there because he's, he's even more, he's even, he's so unusual. He's too unusual, even for the most unusual people. So that could be a fascinating exploration and how Bing Bong slowly kind of comes up with his look, comes up with his overall um, approach to things. And then why Riley, why it hits Riley's buttons perfectly when she's a child to create him. And he's the one that shows up, you know? Yeah, I think 
my natural inclination would almost be to be to mirror monsters university where <clears throat> he needs to learn to what it is to be an imaginary friend before he's mm -hmm. allowed to be an imaginary friend. Yeah. Or maybe he's like making it too much about himself when he needs to make it all about her. Mm, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you need to relinquish the selfishness, which we some to see come to fruition in inside out. Yeah. When he gives the ultimate sacrifice, right? Yes. Yeah, you could no. be. Yeah, right. You could be. Bing Bong could be like this arrogant guy who thought. Yeah, he's just like he's I'm. So much fun. I'm the life yeah. of the party at all yes. times, and be like that's insignificant because you need right. to be entertaining to the child. What are you talking about? Of course, I'm entertaining. So he's just like a he's a jerk until he realizes it's not about me. It's about them. And, the and no one seems. Yeah, right. And none of the kids seem to want to select him as an imaginary friend. Like maybe there's a thing where a kid sees like a scroll of imaginary and then picks one but he keeps not getting picked so it frustrates him even more and it that's what's gonna be the thing that kind of opens the door to him learning the lesson that it's not about him it's about them yeah that's, you'll find I, your I, right I thought about that. that's great dude i love that change uh but yeah i mean it's an interesting idea that imaginary friend isn't made in the imagination of the child that it's like somehow implanted there Right, right. But then where does that come from? That's a whole other discussion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's just the subconscious has that as built in as part of yeah. they have an imaginary friend academy. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Type of thing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that they can choose from. Yeah, exactly. Um, Charles Clark says maybe, uh, maybe there are other imaginary friends, but he sees them disappear and makes that sacrifice and make that sacrifice and inside out even more poignant. Oh, yeah, it could be a, it could be approach as well. Yeah, Kristen says, I don't know what they would do this one because they would have to show him eating fish, and the whole humanizing fish could traumatize kids seeing them get eaten. Uh, maybe, maybe not if the fish don't talk. You know, I think that's uh, I think that's fine actually. Um, all right, what's your number one? What's that, Bruce? I was thinking about Bing Bong. <laughs> Bing Bong eating. The I was fish. like, what? What fish did Bing Bong eat? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, or it's just implied. He doesn't have to actually eat fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what sharks do type of thing. And then he's the rebellious teen that doesn't want to do it. And he's right. trying to buck the system and then eventually comes to realize those are his actual convictions as opposed to just. Yeah, just being a rebel. Yeah. Uh, sure. My number one. Yeah. Simple. Frozone. Frozone. Done. Yes. Done. Absolutely. Agreed. Want to see it. It's awesome. He's got a wife. Okay. Yes. How does that happen? How, yeah, exactly. Does she have superpowers? Apparently right. not. Yeah. Uh, how do they meet? Like, what's his backstory? I want to know more about Frozone. That's it. Yeah. That's I got nothing. It, it <laughs> seems like a no-brainer, although Incredibles, it took forever to get a second one, which... It's true. <laughs> I understand why Toy Story and ultimately Cars were made, you know, so many sequels of those, but mm. once you saw Incredibles, be like, wow, you guys got a potential franchise here. Yeah, agreed. And it took so long. Maybe it just didn't grab kids the way it did adults or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but it was fantastic, man. But yeah, Frozone, easy. Frozone, agreed, agreed. How, how do they come together? If she's a superpower person, is she one that put the cape away because there was, you know, she had to raise the kids or raise a family or whatever, or her job. She's the one that made the transition a lot easier than Frozone and um, Elastigirl and, and Mr. Incredible. So that could be a fun thing to explore too with them and their background so yeah uh, i'm down a frozen is my number one as well yeah so, when down. when did the powers start yeah is it right from 
birth and he's always had this ability or is it like in his teenage years when the hormones started to kick in he noticed that he had yeah he was one of these superheroes these very rarefied superheroes and dealing with that like i don't know i don't know is it a peter parker situation right and maybe she isn't and or maybe her parents don't like the hero so he's got to like kind of win them over or whatever so there's this awkward situation where or situations where we see him kind of like figuring out how to get their blessing um while also staying true to who he is you know that could be fun for him as well um okay well there you go that's our uh, a countdown of the top 10 characters we'd like to see origin stories from in pixar so uh, we're going to put this list together i'm going to grab the bongos the bongos Ugh. Ugh, they're getting heavier i'm getting weaker either one yeah, there we go. Rosin up the bar. Oh, the dog's going to start barking now. There they go. Sorry about that, y'all. You're going to have to hear some dogs barking. You have a dog? Uh, no, my uh, my girlfriend is. We're dog sitting her sister's dogs today in the house. So, ah. Yeah, they're chilling out with us for a few hours. She has to see them at least once a week or she goes crazy, my girlfriend. So, um, Okay, so obviously number one, Frozone. Yeah, Frozone number one. I put down the tank friends from finding nemo too. okay okay all right and i'm just going to exclude bruce the shark and the oh, shark okay. buddies all right I, I i think once again the tank idea is more complete idea okay um so charles months i have a three you have that where six we'll go next okay then we both have inside out ideas in our top four fives yeah yeah that was my two bing bong so we could combine. yeah then i have the parents inner monologues do you yeah. just want to say one makes it the other one gets excluded then Ooh, we're gonna flip uh no yours would be two right oh i see because it's higher okay yeah, yeah that makes sense um okay so i've got uh Roz and the government agency at five. I love that. Monsters Inc. Yeah, put it in there, man. That's such a great one. <laughs> You're under arrest. Uh what do you got next? What's your um, next highest? See, one, two, three, four. Uh well, we kicked out the the Monsters Inc. sequel. So uh Jesse is my five. Okay. That's my highest so far. Because Bing Bong's already on the list, so. Uh, okay, um, I got my six. I, I I have my six. Charles Months did it already get on there. Oh no, yeah, Months already got on. Okay, so then go ahead. Your six goes. Okay, so it was Wally, Wally. Uh, okay, we got three spots left. Okay. Uh, what do you have? Chick Hicks at number seven. Uh, okay, I've got technically Hector from Land uh, Coco. Ooh. Uh, I'll flip quick. All right. I got the coin it? right here. All right. I will flip. And it was Chick Hicks? Chick Hicks. All right, Chick Hicks takes it. hey Kristen Smith says, anything to make imaginary friends less creepy, I'm okay with. Whenever Kara starts talking to herself, I get a little spooked. (laughs) Don't go on TikTok. Oh, man, there are some scary-ass TikToks, man. 
Um, I was some real some ones where you see ghosts and stuff. Uh, that's insane. Well, that's because um, ghosts aren't real. That's why it's insane. <laughs> Here we go. Here we that's go. <laughs> find me verifiable proof of a ghost, and then I'll fucking. That's against the wait. That makes no sense. Anyway, all right. Where where are we at? Number eight was Edna Mode for me. What do you got? Uh, I got crushed the turtle. Ah, uh, well, since I lost the last one, I have to I have to kind of concede, right? Ah, I'll flip again. Okay. All right, crush the turtle makes it. There it is. You know what? Can you take out Chick Hicks? I think Edna Mode should have been higher up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put Edna Mode where Chick Hicks is. All right. Just to make our list a little more, a little better. Okay. All right, let's do it. The top 10 Pixar characters, origin stories we'd like to see. Yeah. At number 10. Crush the turtle from Finding Nemo. At number nine. Hector from Coco. At number eight. Edna Mode from The Incredibles. At number seven. Uh, Wally from Wally. At number six. Jesse from Toy Story 2. At number five. Roz from Monsters Incorporated. At number four. Bing Bong from Inside Out. At number three. Charles Muntz from Up. At number two. Tank Friends from Finding Nemo. And our number one Pixar character origin story we'd like to see is... Is Frozone from The Incredibles. Where is my super suit? Yes, sir. Good stuff. Good stuff there. Um, all right. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. I'm sure there are characters that you all listening or, or, or watching uh, wanted us to talk about or would consider. So uh, leave a comment down below. Let us know what you would want to see uh, from a Pixar origin story, which character you'd like to get a Pixar origin story. Uh, but a fun list, Matt. Uh, what do we have to tell? Uh, follow the show on Twitter at Top 10 Show. Uh, otherwise, on YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash the Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. So please... Hit us up at either of those three places. And you can follow me anywhere at Mad Nost and uh, check out my other shows, Settle the Score and Dropping Dimes. And that is it for me this week. Uh, yeah, as for me, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says, and my other podcasts, The Cinephiles and The Geek Buddies. You all are awesome. Thank you so much. Go see Lightyear. I loved it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here from the Top 10. Peace. Oh,